Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Grill Economist, coming to you live on this edition of V for Velas. And we have with us the man of the hour, the man who needs no introduction whatsoever. It's Velas himself, and Velas is here, and CJ's in the background. Uh, he's not working the airways <laughs> because we are banned. This is Rogue News Banned Edition. We're somewhere in an undisclosed location broadcasting. That's why you're seeing me, and these two guys can't be seen because uh, of all the technical stuff that we're dealing with right now. But we will be... Uh, you know, you're seeing us live right now. You're seeing us on 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 Rumble, on Twitch, on everything else. Uh, we're trying to come up with some really cool solutions to um, to you know really fix the problem here. But anyway, with that being said, Velas, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm good. Uh, good Friday to you both, and good Friday good to everybody Friday. Who's listening to this uh, show. Yeah, C- uh, CJ's pedaling the bicycle to keep the Zoom meeting going. So that's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, that's- if CJ right gets now. off the bike, it's over. He's literally right. CJ pedaling the bike is what's keeping the power alive. Look, I got one light going on in his office right now. If CJ, CJ stay on the bike. If he gets off, this thing's going dark. I mean, like, you know, I mean, literally going dark. I mean, if CJ, if you say, it just went dark. Yep, yeah, I'm go. here. I'm Let's here. Slow down, CJ. All right. That's cool. right. <laughs> anyway, folks, check us out roguenews.com. Everything's going to be on Rogue News. So bear with us as we go through this transition. I think the 26th of January. Uh, we'll be out of the YouTube penalty box. And when we're out of the YouTube penalty box, um, the way we're going to do it is um, we're just going to make our announcements on YouTube, what we're going to talk about. And then if you want to catch us, we're going to be on Rumble. We're going to be on everything else because YouTube is just ridiculous. We're going to have to kind of fight the algorithm a little bit. And with that being said, fellas, what's up, man? What do you want to get into? Yeah, I got, I got quite a bit for us today. So let's, uh, let's jump into it. I've got a correction on last week's show. I misspoke, and as I always say, if I've missed something, I'm going to say it. Um, I had made mention that juror number 50 on last week's show, who is the one who's getting a lot of press right now, that yes. administrator at Carlisle, was different than the juror that may have caused the mistrial. I was incorrect. It was the same person. Uh, the other thing on that also is, is we've now also got another four to five other jurors who may result in this thing being a mistrial, and I'm sure some of you may have seen um, there's a couple of folks out there that have had programs where they've gone over the questionnaires for these jurors. And it's stunning because it looks like a number of the jurors either didn't fill it out uh, or only filled it out partially and nobody paid any attention to it, which in my book would mean that's, that's intentional. Uh, just a reminder about the hashtag Bellas page on Discord. Uh, there are jokes out there, folks. There, there are jokes. Uh, I also went meme crazy this week. So there's, there's uh, a whole plethora of those out there. Uh, and for you investing types, uh, I posted data last night on that page of commodity returns since 2012, which is uh, pretty good. Uh, it's got uh, each year uh, in a grid uh, with columns, you know, 2012 all the way to now, and then it'll it'll show you coal and oil and other materials and what the returns have been each each year. That's, that's just an interesting reading. Um, before I get into today today's content, another one of my kind of uh, thoughts to all of you, my especially as always, my thanks to all of you in the audience, and I know uh, you're trying to contend with the logistical challenges we've, we've got at present. Um, 
deeply appreciate the time you spend with us, whether it's my program or the other folks on, on Rogue. Um, the conflict we are in, everyone, uh, among its many facets, it's also about who you are as a person, uh, who you are as a sentient being. And to say that the globalists think of you as being at least a honeybee in a hive is being generous. Uh, to put two point of uh, comment on it, they hate you and don't ever forget that. And the more you act like an individual is the more, the more one of the most important victories you can have. So every day that you ponder things, every day you learn, every day you help someone is a victory. Every day you succeed in finding ways to avoid their attempts to make you depressed or sad is a victory. And please don't forget that. Um, I know many of us want the huge victories. We want to see the Loudoun County School Board collapse under its own self-righteousness. We'd like to see the German government stop acting like it's the 1930s. Uh, and we want to see pharmaceutical executives on trial. And we want to see Silicon Valley exposed. Some of those things we may achieve, some not. Uh, but the bigger question is what can we do about ourselves and for ourselves and for each other? And I know CJ often talks about starting local. Well, that's about as local as it gets. And you know, again, to quote Patrick Ryan, uh, and I'm quoting, uh, you are more than your identity, and we are more than the blackmailed neoliberalism. So moving on. Um, posted on Discord on Monday the 10th, 100 predictions for uh, 2022, which was from Zero Hedge. Some of those are pretty good. Uh, I also posted a clip from Dr. Wayne uh, Dyer the same day, which relates to my comment above about, about centering yourself and, and focusing on not losing your mind in all of this. Um, just an awareness, the hashtag Let's Go Brandon has been replaced by the hashtag Bear Shelves Biden. Yes, um, that's right. I know we've been talking about it here on Rogue, and I know a lot of other folks in the alternative community have been mentioning it, uh, but I'm certainly seeing it in my neck of the woods. Uh, you know, more and more shelves are getting a little thin. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see where that takes us the rest of this year. Um, Going to cover this a bit more on a future show, but always remember, everybody, um, Major U.S. intelligence agencies are not essentially spy agencies, as you would believe. Uh, I'm not referring to the National Geospatial folks or similar. They pretty much, you know, look at satellite photos and, and uh, electronic intelligence. That's, that's kind of their, their thing. But if you look at who runs the NSA, if you look at who runs or has run the CIA, if you look at their backgrounds or educations, there's a lot of similarity. And their worldview really is no longer about intelligence work or protecting the United States from the boogeyman of the Soviet Union, um, who was a genuine threat. But as I've often commented, the problem for the United States right now is the same as it was for Rome and Carthage uh, or for other great empires in the past, where when their biggest competitor was no longer around, they kind of lost their edge and started turning, turning themselves inward, which, which tended to be a problem. Mm -hmm. um, been noticing Joe's poll numbers are dropping. And of course, I don't put much stake in those things. Um, you know, at this point, they're saying he's somewhere between 32 and 33%. I have to ask kind of a sarcastic question. So what? Um, you know, if he hits 20%, are the peasants going to storm the White House? I mean, the man could go to zero. Well, I mean, and, they, are, they are putting up a, a concrete barricade or a wall or something right outside of the White House, fellas. They, they are. And the, one of the rumors that's out there is, is he's going to suspend elections uh, in the interest of, of national integrity because of the coup. We'll, we'll see if that one comes, comes true. Um, but these poll numbers are a distraction, folks. It's like a lot of other things we see going on right now, including but not limited to the Supreme Court's uh, decision yesterday about the, about the coup. Yeah. So when it comes to some of these distractions, this was going to be uh, a key part of my show today. 
we have to remain we have to remain vigilant. And even if things are in our favor, be wary of what's not being said and who isn't being discussed. So, in my opinion, Joe Biden is going to is going to be made to take every arrow, every criticism, because it distracts people from the more important things that are that are taking place. So, yeah, he's going to be blamed for rampant inflation. He's going to be blamed for metropolitan area collapses, essentially, in several key cities. Um, he's going to be blamed for foreign policy falling apart. He's going to be blamed for Afghanistan, although we're now certainly seeing what really was the deal with Afghanistan, because that was a precursor to what went down in Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan, which failed. Um, and he'll be blamed for the draconian inoculation policy. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, he's being made to take a hit for all of these things, because what is the goal? And depending on who we're talking about, the goal is a digital economy. The goal is a, is a reset. Uh, the goal is treating uh, the entire global human condition as just labor to be moved wherever elites think it needs to go. Uh, one of the other goals out there is to satisfy some of the most powerful uh, families and organizations uh, and empower intelligence communities. So he'll be made the scapegoat. And unfortunately, he's probably not even aware of what's going on anyway, uh, because they're going to destroy Hunter right before his eyes if he doesn't do what he's being told. Uh, that and his wife, Jill, wants to make sure after Joe's gone, she still has access to all the power and influence up there in the state of uh, Delaware. Uh, along with these lines is we are now getting more detail about there may be a bigger backstory in Dr. Malone. Now, I've seen the Joe Rogan interview uh, and also that the interview was being removed from various services uh, and related. And we, we have to remember, sometimes when the powers that be are trying to remove content, it's because they want you to see it. They dress it up. It's like the old joke about, uh, especially back in the 80s, uh, this is the most controversial horror film ever. What Everybody runs sure. out to see it. Right. Um, so they dress it up with words like groundbreaking and uh, banned content to make sure that you see it. Remember, we're dealing with people whose understanding of human psychology is, is unbelievably superb. And their understanding of human psychology is, is international. No matter what country you're in, no matter what your ethnic background, they know exactly how to appeal to you. Yeah. And just off the top, we have to remember with Dr. Malone, he developed the mRNA drugs. And in my own opinion, the last thing he wants is his life accomplishment uh, associated with the truth that continues to keep leaking out. There's also a bit more to this, including but not limited to the fact that Malone has a long history with the FBI and the CIA. And I'll have some more detail for all of you on that mm. next week. Mm. Um, wow. Then we have the matter of DARPA. You know, they've released documents due to a FOIA request, which immediately I'm rolling my eyes because I know my way around FOIA requests. And <laughs> DARPA, of all people, of all federal agencies that are out there, DARPA can reject FOIAs almost at will because their response is always the same. We're not releasing that information if it exists on the basis of national security. Because, I mean, how's anybody going to know different unless you've actually seen the data and can say, hey, wait a minute, I read that report. I don't know why you're saying it's national security. So suddenly DARPA is releasing documents about requests from NIAID, uh, Dr. Fauci's organization and others for research that DARPA said, well, we don't want to, we don't want to uh, conduct that kind of research. That is suspect. I don't know exactly what the full takeaway is, but that to me is immediately suspect. DARPA didn't need to reveal anything. So if they're revealing something, there's a reason. And the reason, trust me, when it comes to government, Washington and the intelligence community, and the pharmaceutical firms, Nothing is ever just a knee-jerk reaction. There's always a, a complex 
plan behind it. And as far as the hearings with Fauci, I'm sorry, they strike me as, as choreographed drama to draw attention solely on him. Now, let me yeah. deal with the fame. Yes. And so, you know, to me, it's like, what are they trying to say? Well, there's nothing wrong with the COOF policies, America. It's just Fauci. He's failed as a communicator. Uh, sure. Probably Dr. Walensky over at the CDC as well. Uh, whether Fauci stays in his position or not is not necessarily going to stop our current situation. And a lot of people are like, well, if we get rid of Fauci, it stops. No, no, no. no. And they're focusing more and more on Fauci's methods of communication. They're focusing on gain of function research, but they're not really talking about the bioweapons aspect of, bio, of gain of function research. What are they also not talking about? Well, they're not talking about Fauci's impact on AIDS patients back in the 1980s, and particularly the gay community. And as I've mentioned before, it was none other than the village voice, certainly not the paragon of conservative thinking in 1988, who wrote a scathing piece on Fauci, but yet Fauci's still in a position of power and influence which right. goes back to my thing about Soros. Soros is not Soros. Soros is, is Lord Malik Brown. 100%. So, um, we're not focusing on the harm that's being caused. It's leaking out. But we're not focusing on that. We're focusing on, you know, Fauci, uh, your communications uh, skills seems to have fallen off a cliff. Um, then my personal favorite, which kind of snuck out of the news last week, some of you may have seen this, uh, Canada and I believe Australia, have now released reports that in the last two years, they're experiencing a sudden cognitive decline in their students from middle school to high school to college. And again, there's, they're saying it right to our face. You know, and in these articles, it's like, we can't for the life of us understand what possibly occurred in the past two years that would cause all this cognitive decline. It's like, well, I don't know. Right. I've got some thoughts on that <laughs> because they're exactly. trying to blame, well, well, the kids are locked at home, you know, due to these these uh, quarantine policies. It's no, no. And then it also begs the question: Okay, if that's Canada and Australia, I know Canada for sure because I have the article and I posted it on Discord. I think Australia was the other one. But it begs the question: What other countries are experiencing this? Right. And again, the focus we hear is on Fauci and his communications. You know, and they're going with the narrative of. Hey, you know, folks, he's been in government too long. He's gotten arrogant. You know, the policies are fine. It's just him. And the other thing that leaps off the page to me is all these funding grant requests explaining the intended experiments. Now, I've read. Go ahead. Do you really think that's the case here? I mean, when we when we look at um, the whole Fauci thing, right? I mean, right now, about what thirty percent of Americans have any sort of confidence in him. And is it is like his flip flopping what he's doing, right? That flip flopping, it is causing a mistrust that is occurring to the population where they're not believing any sort of official accounts. I mean, Fauci's approval ratings are not. Nobody trusts the government. Nobody's trusting the media when it comes to the to, to COVID. Nobody's trusting them. Do you think it, it, it's beyond just hey, you know, we don't like how he's presenting the message to the fact, or is it? We just don't believe the message anymore. You're, you're hitting the, the nail on the head to me, which is, uh, you know, the, there's a joke used in Washington, D.C. It's a very old phrase. It's called the, the Potomac two-step. Yeah. Uh, they're referring to the Potomac River that goes through the Beltway area, which is the dance government people do to avoid accountability and sure. to deflect harm from their agencies. So 
this is what I'm saying is, is, is the more there are revelations, in my opinion, about the side effects, more people push back, the more folks are scratching their heads saying, well, geez, all these airline pilots aren't flying, but everybody else is. What's, what's the delta there? Um, to me, this is everyone is trying to push the attention on him, They're trying to make the lightning hit him. It's not our agency. It's not the government. It's not even we here in the legacy media. It's this guy. And so, you know, you're even getting more traditional mainstream media people that, in my opinion, are, are using the old standbys of ridicule and caricature of Fauci, you know, they're not saying it out loud, but you can really feel the narrative. I mean, they're, they're, look at this little guy. Yeah. You know, he needs a booster seat to sit in that chair in front of the government sure. and look at him, you know, and it's like, right, it's the magic trick. You're all focusing on this guy who can't communicate, which is complete BS, and not paying attention to the fact that a whole bunch of really powerful people with a whole lot of authority and a whole lot of responsibility while we're at it did nothing at these agencies. And again, Mike Moore has done a superb job pointing out all of the departures from the FDA, for instance. Mm. Top people that if you look at, he went through a couple of their resumes and stuff and said, if you look at these people's credentials that are leaving the FDA, what were they leaving about? The FDA is being strong-armed into to going along with policies that a lot of legacy people who, again, this is not meant as a criticism, a lot of legacy people though, who are uh, lifetime government people uh, they they believe in the mission of the agencies. They are politically liberal. Yeah, but they're resigning because they can. They they they're not stupid. They've seen where this is going, and so on these um, uh, these funding requests. I mean, that's another area where it's like, wow, uh, academic grants or government agency grants. Um, used to be a scientist at a federal agency. I sort of know my way around those. So I know how complicated they are. How long it takes to submit the damn thing. Uh, a lot of your biggest defense contractors, they've always got a handful of people where it's like, that's our grant person, because it's like getting this stuff through the filter is unbelievably hard. And so as I'm reading these different grant requests that, again, have, quote, leaked <clears throat> out, unquote, due to FOIAs with, with uh, DARPA and similar, I don't see anywhere what the benefit was supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's like a bad rendition of Alan Funt from the old TV show in the 1970s, where he'd look at the audience and say, we thought it would be funny to fool somebody by doing the following. It's like, I read those things and it's like, well, we want to conduct this research to see if X can be accomplished by transferring a virus from a bat to another animal. Right. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, that's page one. And the purpose of the research is what? You know, it's like, it's like uh, Jurassic Park. Instead of asking whether or not you could do it, you, you know, Jeff Goldblum's character, you didn't stop to bother and ask the question, should you? Should you? And it's right. like, you're conducting this research. What is the goal? You're asking for tremendous amounts of government money. I mean, I know my way around that world. You're asking for tremendous amounts of government money and just saying, we thought it would be neat if we paint the car yellow. Well, but what's the benefit? What are we doing? I mean, right. and the other thing is, is when you look at how this research is conducted, you know, we're talking about viral transmission. You know, and this is always the big thing that'll get a virologist right out of their chair is can some form of bug leap species? Can it work its way from birds to mammals? Sure. Can it work its way from animals to people? Right. Um, I've mentioned this, good Lord, quite some time ago. One of, one of the things I've done, uh, especially when it came to continuity of, of not just government, but continuity of operations for, for the United States, if, if we had some sort of loss of the power grid or whatever, 
One of the unknowns out there is Homeland Security. Some of you may be surprised by this. Homeland Security works very closely with veterinarians. I mentioned this on a, on a show, but it was quite some time ago. And the reason why is just human beings being human beings. We will deny ourselves medical care, especially among the elderly, as long as you can help your pet dog or pet cat because you're very connected to the animal. And so in, you know, people would often think, well, I would think you would be checking with doctors to, to look for transmission of viruses or, or diseases or things. And the truth is they do. But the bigger takeaway is, is that looking at people's pets can often be a far earlier warning sign than looking at somebody showing up at a hospital. Mm -hmm. And so it's from the, that era that it was a concern about, are we seeing it moving from species to another species? But we're not talking about that. We're talking about his bad PR. And then shifting to Ted Cruz, um, again, a very um, predictable item. Uh, he endorses the police state about two weeks ago and freaks out a bunch of conservatives who have now thrown their hands in the air and saying, well, the man's dead to me because he's going along with, with the uh, January 6th narrative, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. And of course, typical of Washington, he said that because he had to. But they, they, gave him, they gave him a gimme, which is uh, they allowed him to resurrect his reputation this week by attacking the FBI, who has a placard for every question who says no comment. It reminds me of an old political cartoon that shows U.S. negotiators with the Soviet Union, and the Soviet negotiators are walking into the room, and they have little thought clouds on their shoulders that they're carrying into the meeting. And each of the thought clouds say niet, which is yeah. Russian for no. Right. Because it's like, that's our answer to the, any of these negotiations in the United States. So you, you've got Cruz in there, and the FBI is just sitting there saying, no comment, no comment. And, and it's typical of Washington. Everything is choreographed. Yeah. You don't have a hearing without preparing for it, because to, to uh, take directly out of your page, B, these are all lawyers. Or as you say, lawyers. <laughs> lawyers. These are all lawyers. Right. Folks, and, and Balash guy, whenever you hear this broadcast, I know you're, you're going to nod. No lawyer ever walks <laughs> into a courtroom. And doesn't already know exactly what's going to happen. That's that's why they have meetings with the other side, uh, you know, and so on. So they know what the answer is going to be when they bring it up in front of the judge. The last thing a lawyer ever wants to hear is an answer to a question that they didn't know about. And so he's sitting there. I use the word loosely drilling the FBI. Because he's got to redeem himself and they had to allow him to redeem himself. So it's like the, the hearings achieved what? Well, the FBI does stuff and they don't care what you think about them for doing it. Right. And of course, so what's the other subtlety, in my opinion? Those hearings are meant to dishearten you and disenfranchise you, you know, to give you the attitude of what's the point. You know, it's it's like the uh, the, the scene from the movie Aliens. It's all over, man. <laughs> Just hang it up. Hudson. <laughs> my favorite character. And, uh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's new, red. It's, it's red. Thing. Get him to us, man. Right. It's, it's red meat for the audience. And don't, right. don't, don't let them do that to you. Don't let them do that to you. It goes to my opening statement. Because again, I got asked the question, so what are we going to do, House of Representatives and Senate? Are you going to cut off money to the FBI to correct this behavior? Of no, course never. you're not going to do that. And then VU have brought it up. Others have as well that we may be looking at a pharma sell-off in April or May. And we need to watch, and I mentioned this on shows ago where I said we you know the sign to me we got to look for is do we start getting an exodus of executives like we did back in November February of 2020 I think because um, that's the proactive signal something's about to go down 
And it isn't, I know, I know there are folks who say, well, uh, that's because they're afraid. Uh, not at their level, they're not afraid. They're, they're getting out because it's how their compensation agreements are, are arranged. And the other thing is they know how this game is played because they'll step away. Uh, the blame will, will be transfixed on some nebulous administrator somewhere that no one knows who the heck that person Q, is. Hugh Fauci. Exactly. Exactly. Hugh a new Fauci, set of executives will come in and promise to do better, just like we did with uh, all of the heroin drugs that were inflicting the Midwest. Uh, exactly. How long is the uh, the current CEO of Pfizer? Do you know how long he's been there? I do not. I do I'm going to look that up. But go ahead. Keep talking, buddy. And uh, the other thing, too, and I've mentioned this, and it's coming from other sources. This isn't you know, my own research, but Pfizer seems to be in serious trouble. Oh, they're in big and trouble. They've got, a, they've got a major PR problem coming. They have a PR problem right now. They have a much bigger PR problem coming quote from one of my, my uh, favorite TV shows, Babylon 5, with Commander Ivanova looking at the screen of spaceships outside saying, no boom today, boom tomorrow. There's always a boom tomorrow. Yeah. Um, the pharma firms know, they see the writing on the wall. There's too much getting exposed. And we've got really nasty crap that's going to start getting revealed later this year. Because again, folks, I've mentioned this thing about the blood, and I'm going to talk about it again a little later in today's program. The, the shots seem, I'm not a doctor, I'm not dispensing medical information, the shots seem to mostly affect the blood, which right. is why women and athletes are most impacted. Other people are impacted in different ways, but it seems to manifest itself more clearly and more quickly in women and athletes. Now, about a month ago, we talked about, give or take, uh, 50 international soccer players where 20 or so of them had died or 30 of them had died. At this point here in mid, later January of 2022, our news is littered with athletes that are dropping left and right. Now, the question we have to ask is, those athletes are a small subset of society, but they're very, very healthy and they're very, very fit, which means this blood aspect is hitting them hard. So if such a proportion of athletes are being affected by this, then what's happened to the rest of, of broader society? You know, will the rest of society start having those problems later? Because it, it takes a while. Because these, these folks are running like race cars. They're in pit, you know, peak performance. And so anything at all that might impact them, you know, one bad spark plug and the whole engine's going to stop running. Sure. That's kind it's going to manifest very quickly. So and then, you know, where does this all lead kind of to conclude on this narrative? The clock is running out. Yeah, powerful people know that, so they're they're looking at how to position themselves. And then uh, I picked this up on a back channel uh, on Tuesday, uh, and then was kind of I mean, just for me, I was kind of bummed out because now it's now it's <clears throat> uh, publicly known. I'm sure many of you have now seen the stories that say the NCAA on Tuesday had said natural immunity is not considered as compliant as the shot. And when I read that late Tuesday night, I thought, well, that's rather significant. But then I thought about it further and I thought, well, <clears throat> the NCAA is losing money. And then the big one, I'm not a big sports fan, unless it's soccer or rugby, but uh, I thought about it and I thought, oh, that's right. March Madness is coming. Last damn thing we oh, need is a whole bunch of basketball players falling God. over live on TV. You know, Can you imagine that? That's right. March Madness oh, is about to start. Can you imagine a game having to be stopped, V, because too many players can't play? Yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, we've decided 
uh, in the intro, it's like, yeah, money. I knew there was a there was a money or an embarrassment angle somewhere in there. What, and, it's and, all and based on the science. answer. The answer is C, all of the above. Well, and then you know the other thing is is we've got hospitals even in blue states uh, calling back um, uh, calling back nurses and things. Yeah, because you know they've gone from pain to excruciating pain as far as trying to uh, operate. Uh, and we've got pilots unable to fly due to side effects. Now going back to my uh, comment about about blood. We, we um, had an MLB baseball player who just dropped dead the other like, yes. a few days ago. Twenty eight years old, Jamie Ramirez from the Tampa Bay. Yeah, unbelievable. Saw that. Unbelievable. You can't keep. I mean, soccer players are dropping like flies. I mean, how how much longer can you keep covering this up? Well, and this this becomes the classic uh, psychology of uh, I'm I'm oversimplifying, but but the old statement about one one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. When there's a sprinkling of stories about athletes getting sick or they can't play or they're grasping their heart live on TV as the powers that be immediately go to commercial, yeah. um, that's one thing. But when they start to flood you with these stories, it becomes noise. And, and again, folks, that's that's a psyop. That's that's people messing with you. It's like, well, then we'll just flood you with sick people because then you're no longer really picking up on, on the, the more finite nature of what you're actually witnessing. You know what's um, also remarkable, Velas? Remember the whole uh, the Indiana insurance company, where yes, they saw a spike yes. of people between eighteen and forty who have a spike in heart attacks, or oh, I'm sorry, death, right? And now, what we talked about before, that's being reported by insurance companies in, all over the country right now, and pretty much in yes. every state, there's a massive spike between eighteen and forty nine year olds who are just dying out of nowhere. Well, and it goes to, you know, and I, I had a sidebar with some of our, our friends on Discord one night because I don't know the answer about, I hate to go there, but it's like our, our funeral homes having a spike in activity. Right. Now, I don't know the data is there. I can't speak to that with any certainty. I just have to leave it where it is. I will say, however, we certainly have seen data. The data, of course, folks, has to be cross-checked and we need folks to confirm that it's not a misleading uh, data point. But we certainly seem to be seeing that behavior in, in Britain, in the UK. Sure. We certainly seem to see what appears to be a spike uh, in that country as well as in Australia. Um, again, I said this on a prior show. For those of you who know what thalidomide is from the 1950s, uh, <laughs> that was just a soundbite compared to what this, this could end up being. The other thing I wanted to raise, too, was this thing about pilots. Okay, yeah. Now, I have... I take some medication for some hypertension. I work in high, high pressure jobs. And so I've got to keep an eye on the ticker. Plus I'm getting older. So, you know, like everybody else in my age bracket, you know, you're watching your diet more closely and I keep up with the, with the workouts. But when I was flying a lot more, I used to really notice how elevated my blood pressure was after I got off the plane. And my, my doctor's comment was as well, it's, it's a pressurized aircraft. You know, the military knows this. I'm surprised you didn't pick this up from your days working with the military. They're like, you know, you get a pilot sitting in a pressurized cockpit for a long period of time. It does it does affect the heart. Now, if you're in good yeah. health, it should affect you. Vasoconstriction is a big problem when you're ascending and then descending that whole here, up here. and down. Right. It's also why you've got for those of us who may recall or have had kids, your kids start crying during the landing because it's right. the pressure on the ears and similar. So it raised the question in my mind when I started seeing these pilots are having problems and there's been postings on certain blogs and stuff by people saying, "Look." You, Got to take my word for it. I'm a United pilot. I fly this kind of aircraft. 
you know, my colleagues and I are dealing with a lot of serious chest pain and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I bet you are because you can't keep your job without getting this shot. And now you're in a pressurized cylinder where it's affecting, it's affecting your heart. Um, I'm sure it will get everybody's attention and I don't want to see this happen if we find ourselves having a pilot who's got to turn the plane over to the co-pilot or similar because they're, they're unable to, to manage the aircraft. So will we potentially see Fauci removed? Will we potentially see Dr. Walensky step down? Or for that matter, Joe Biden. Um, well, when you look at the Pfizer CEO, whatever the hell his name is, Brulak, Bulak, blah, blah, blah. What is his name? Uh, God, I can't tell because the screen goes dark. Burla, Burla. He <laughs> Burla, Albert Burla, right? He, he, he's just a recent CEO, man. Dude, the guy's a veterinarian from, from Greece, right? He's a, um, a, a, a veterinarian from Greece. His accolades is, is you know, he came in. Uh, as a CEO in, in, in January of 2019. So he's right. a recent pick. So in terms of a fall guy, he's perfect. He is. He is. And in the consulting practice I used to help manage in Washington, we had all retired C-level executives. You and I and, and CJ talked about this at dinner when we were out your way. Um, you know, a lot of my folks from our firm, we, we would hire them out as interim interim C-level executives, whether chief operating officers, financial officers, especially information officers. Why? Well, there's been some sort of reorg. And the board of directors knows they can't get an executive to put their professional reputation, because I've said this before, and, and Mark Cuban has talked about this. He calls it yeah. the number. You know, when you reach the C-suite, as they call it, um, uh, the, chief, the chief officer suite, you've got maybe one or two gigs you're going to have. And then after that, you're going to retire. So everything is politics. Everything is you got to hit your numbers. This isn't like, well, you know, I tried out this one job in this one industry and it didn't work out. I'm 32 and I've still got a lot of time left on the odometer. People at the C-level can't do that. So I worked for a firm where we would loan out an executive for a year, a retired executive for a year or even six months because no one in that organization wanted that job and the board knew it. So they brought in a qualified professional who's retired, kind of operates with a different mindset in some cases, and I hate to go there, but this is true. They can they can make the hard decisions nobody wants to, especially including layoffs of other managers where no one wanted to touch that with a 10-foot pole because, well, there's politics. Well, you bring in an outside executive. And V, I know you know this, on you know big New York companies and stuff, that's how that's done. And that always sends a warning signal to people when you bring in an outsider into some key role because it's like, oh, God, they're going to they're gonna start cutting budgets. Yeah. Because you can't do that where everybody knows everybody. And it's like, well, Bob or Susan be our next chief financial officer. That's when they bring on outsiders. So your point is well taken that, that these pharmaceutical firms and others out there who, who are at risk have got folks that are, are quite easy to cut loose. We've made a change. We're going to have a new executive coming on board. We, we thank so-and-so for their many years of service. So ra wrapping up on some of our, our uh, distractions there that I've noticed this last week, um, take a look, everybody, uh, at articles that help explain what a pre-crime algorithm is. Get yourselves grounded on what those algorithms are. Yeah. And once you, you understand that conceptually, I'd recommend then understand what software is already out there. Because globally, law enforcement organizations for at least a decade have been using software like this. It helps them determine where they're going to put uh, patrols, where not put patrols. Uh, court systems, they won't say this publicly, but they'll look at your demographics and figure out whether or not they should even waste their time on giving you a decent trial. Uh, and where I'm going with this is 
You know who's heavy in pre-crime algorithm software? Why, that would be Ghislaine Maxwell's sisters. Hey, <laughs> it's the gift right. that keeps giving. That's right. They're, they're, they're the computer mavens, man. They're, I forgot about that. They're the software wizards. And they, they love are. that pre-crime software. They do, man. It's unbelievable. And I'm not saying this just because of recent events on Virginia's I-95, but just a reminder, folks, for a number of reasons. I, I would recommend uh, probably for this entire year, uh, if your fuel tank is about half or a little less, I'd go fill up. Yeah. Don't don't wait till it gets low and, and put in a bottle a, of dry gas yeah, added. And if you're in an electric car. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another oh, takeaway is uh, George Soros is buying up Polish media. Uh, that's rather significant. Oh, that's good. That's always a good sign when Georgi Schwartz buys off media. That's that's always a good sign, like he buys off uh, district attorneys. That's always good. Well, and you have to remember, folks, Poland. Uh, Poland is a key country in Central Europe. Uh, they've been trying to carve out a future for other Central European nations. They're kind of one of the leading countries in that alliance. I told you about the most closely leading exists, both to kind of find their own path without influence from Western Europe or Russia's influence. I posted an article on this on the, on the Bellas page on Tuesday the 11th. Now I had a clip. I don't know that we can really do that with, with uh, the venue we're using today. So we'll get back to my clip. At a no, no, we can use, no, we can use the clip. Absolutely, man. Uh, CJ? No, not CJ. I'm, 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 I'm at the controls. So, okay. Yeah, what uh, you do, you have do, the clip? do you have the clip I sent, CJ? No. Okay, we'll get to it another time. Right. It was from the Archie Bunker TV show in the 1970s. Oh, I love Archie. His comments about, about Washington, D.C. Um, I also need to make reference to the late Christopher Hitchens. Uh, some of you may know uh, Hitch, as he was known to yeah. many. Uh, a human being for whom I'm not qualified to even begin to explain the complexity of his intellect. Um, he was neither conservative nor liberal, uh, and he did, yes, start out as a socialist a true, honest-to-God English socialist. Um, contrary to many perceptions of him, he was not anti-God, uh, not the slightest. He was anti-organized religion, and that Correct. is a totally different matter. He's Correct. also not anti-spiritual, in opposition to big, to big anything. Um, I would also point out, he did praise the intellect of Pope John Paul II, uh, despite his issues with, with the Catholic Church. And, and Ravi Zacharias, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, so as I turn back the clock to the 1990s and the administration of Bill and Hillary Clinton, Hitchens went after the Clintons with a level of wit and insight and revelation that no self-identified conservative in the United States could even approach, not even one <laughs> to scratch the surface of what Hitchens did to the Clintons. And I would also point out the damage Hitchens caused also is inclusive of the circles uh, the Clintons operated in. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, he became the darling of the kind of self-identified conservatives, especially in the media, who had never even heard of him until that moment because he was right. a, a British intellectual. He did seek U.S. citizenship, uh, and he did that as he often did with a very deep political reasoning why, special reason why he did that. But he brought to light revelations about the Clintons few till that time had even dared whisper. Uh, and then he did the unthinkable. Uh, to those same people that were promoting him here in the United States, he went after George W. Bush with equal vigor. Mm. And the left and the right in the United States were at a complete loss as what they should do about Hitchens. And of course, my point about all this is he saw far before many of us how rigged systems, and I'm using the plural, are, and how long it had been that way and how far down the rabbit hole it goes. So for those of us accused of being jaded, uh, we weren't even in the same league. 
as Christopher Hitchens, and we probably weren't even jaded enough. And so, especially these last 10 years, uh, I raised my glass of Johnny Walker, who Christopher once described as the amber restorative, uh, and beg his spiritual forgiveness for the time it took me at least to get a primer down to even understand where he was going. And I'm sure he's also found the afterlife as confounding as he, he's found this world. Now, I had a, a clip we could show at another time. There was a, a BBC did a, a piece on Christopher Hitchens I thought was quite fair. Mm-hmm. There was a graphic I was going to also use um, where it's somebody's got a meme that's going around. And it's, it's uh, uh, cut in half. And it shows the left-hand side of the page says, keep calm and trust the plan. Uh, which is aimed at conservatives. And then over on the right-hand side, it says, keep calm and trust the science. Then underneath it says, uh, they told the left to trust the science. They told the right to trust the plan and they played them both. Yep. And that's, that's in honor of both Hitchens and some of what I said earlier about yep. we, we have to avoid not getting played. Now my, very well said my last piece for today. Um, I miss not having videos, but we'll, we'll get that figured out folks. Um, this is about the Kazakhstan and Russia, and I'm going to take us on a little different angle than probably some of the stuff you've been reading. And I would also point out that, that uh, the material I've been reading, you know, on the political, the social, and the economic elements you've been hearing about, about you know, from at least respectable sources, um, proved quite correct, and especially uh, content that V and Matthew had covered uh, previously on that as well. Especially this angle about uh, Russia being set up, you know, in all this nonsense. Um, but there's another subtle element I wanted to raise here. And that is that, again, back in the 2000s, um, there was a foreign affairs magazine or a foreign policy magazine, that uh, article that was published. And granted, let's, let's be clear, you know, foreign affairs is, is uh, Council on Foreign Relations and, and yeah. very, the very think tanks that we take issue with. The point of the article, though, was is that it was horrible in practice, but necessary. That at the end of World War II, we had to move all these various ethnic groups back to their various homelands. Uh, and often the United States and Russian military would do this by force. You had these, for those of you who've seen the, the film clips or pictures and so on, shows long lines of people, you know, ethnic Germans and stuff being moved out of Poland back into Germany and ethnic Poles out of the borders there with Germany back into Poland. And you had some problems there, obviously, because you had, you had ethnic groups that were being moved into communist countries where they didn't want to go. And they were trying to escape and not, not go back. And both the West and the East you know, work together on moving these ethnic groups back to their, their respective borders. And you have to kind of understand the history of why they did that. I mean, Europe has had so many wars the last hundred plus years, borders would wildly shift. So frequently you'd get ethnic Germans who are stuck in Poland, ethnic French who are stuck on German soil, a laundry list of similar situations. Uh, one, of my, one of the biggest being my favorite example, which is the Balkans, who mixed a toxic cocktail of ethnicity and religion into that. Right. So when World War II was wrapping up and the big brains, especially in the United States, but, but in Europe who were, who were outside the country waiting for the conflict to end, they came to the conclusion it's going to be necessary. We've got to move everybody back to their side of the fence. And the article had said that that action, though horrible, probably helped avoid war during the intervening 60 years. Now, there's some truth to that, but in my opinion, I think the Iron Curtain probably paid uh, had a, had a far more uh, impactful reason for sustaining that peace. If you look at the Balkans, Serbia, and Albania, you know, those countries got lit up within minutes after the Cold War ended. Um, I mentioned, I think, on a prior show, I knew a guy that was a borders expert, where for many years he was, he was working for NATO, and his job was just to keep track of borders. And until the Cold War ended, 
his job was pretty straightforward because he, you know, his comment to me was, is I'd look through a big pair of binoculars and make sure the uh, razor wire was still where it was. And it's like, yep, there's the East. Here's us. Nothing, nothing has changed. But he said within minutes of, you know, the fall of the Soviet Union in, in 1991 and the events that shortly followed, he said it was amazing how fast I had people in Germany, people in Austria, madder than hell about, well, you know, that river way off in the distance, that's really where the border ought to be. Yeah. And meanwhile, folks on the other side of that were saying, you know, back during the last war uh, dealing with Crimea, uh, the border was actually that mountainside. And he, and he told me, he said, because he was the official borders expert, his life was getting threatened by people that were saying, well, we want that land back. And he's, he's like, God, you can set your watch by it. It just took minutes until, uh, until, until you had people saying, well, uh, we want that back. And this is a very old issue uh, in the international environment. You know, this concept of our people because of the last war are stuck over on the other side of that mountain and they're being repressed. I mean, that's, that's how Hitler in, in part was manipulating the German public uh, to be prepared for, you know, Alsace Lorraine and for uh, other pieces of real estate he wanted back, including Austria. And everybody kind of just sort of let it go for a while because it's like, well, do we really want to fight, fight a war? You know, yeah, you got these. And then after the break of the Austro-Hungarian empire, you have a whole bunch of problems. Now, for folks in the United States or Canada or other countries, this idea about your people being hurt by somebody else is kind of a foreign concept or less familiar. Uh, unless, of course, we're talking about native tribes in the United States or Canada, but I'll leave that to Matt Carrick to kind of walk through that one. Um, so if we look at Kazakhstan and Russia and the Ukraine for that, yeah. Russia makes an easy target on this topic, this tactic about feeling that their people may be getting threatened or that, or that ethnic Russians feel on the streets of, of Russia that they're where their borders are being threatened. Because the other thing too, especially in the Russian history is, Russia does not have the advantage of really deep rivers or uh, mountains as where the border is. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a tank commander's dream. It's flat real estate. And that's why Russia, you know, I've joked about this, but it's like, there's this, there's this old joke in Poland and Russia that when they smell something burning in the wind, their first reaction is, are the Germans coming? <laughs> not <laughs> as somebody just <laughs> running a fire in their house. Right. <laughs> um, so politically, the Russian government cannot just let things like this ride if no, there's problems in Ukraine. They, they always need a buffer zone on their borders, especially on their on their you know western border with Europe. Having you oh, yeah, having Ukraine as their vassal state provided that necessary buffer against NATO, and that's gone now. So they are paranoid. Exactly. Exactly. And so this is something you can exploit against Russia. This is something where you can you can tap into that native ethnic fear uh, in that country. And you have to, in my opinion, you got to kind of look at this like an intelligence analyst. You know, in the old days, the West, we'd fly our planes near the Soviet Union. They'd fly their planes near us. Sometimes it was bombers, sometimes it was fighters. Um, we would study each other to see how fast they picked up on our planes, whether they were at low or high altitude, how quickly could you get your planes up, et cetera. We're just kind of seeing uh, how quickly you can react to something we're, we're doing. Um, now, what's kind of funny is, is especially the, the Russian pilots flying the, the 295 Bear Bombers, and this goes back to the 1980s, um, that became so common that yeah. the Russian pilots would put up in English their addresses in the window. 
and the American pilots would do the same. I mean, the pilots were literally writing each other letters about, hey, saw you guys last week. You were <laughs> flying off Alaska. How's your daughter doing? Um, you know, meanwhile, their governments are all like, well, this is official. We got to test, test these borders. And it's like, yeah, your military is talking to each other. Right. Um, so um, this is the same thing with what happened on these borders. And what I kind of keyed in on is, is there were a number of times in the 1990s, the West would do stuff, especially like what went down with Serbia. Russia was very hamstrung. There was only so much they could do. And if you really want to get at Russia's gut, you screw with the Serbians, because I've said this before. I mean, I love the Serbian community. I mean, they're, they're ethnic Slavs. They, they attend my church services. But, you know, in the Russian community, we've always kind of referred to the Serbians as like our little brothers. Like they're always starting a fight in the bar and it's like, oh God, they're getting the shit kicked out of them again. We got to go bail them out. I told them not to mess with the biker and they, and they still did it. So when Serbia kind of got themselves in a hot spot, the, the Russian military sent in these airborne troops uh, and one of their, their commanders kind of cut a deal with, with the U.S. general and there was a feeling that, that by the Russian military they got screwed and how that was handled. But the, the feeling in the East was there's not much really we can do. You know, our military equipment is, is breaking down. Our economy is in trouble. How much, how much can we really bring to bear? And so yeah. when I was looking at the events of the past few months, what I picked up on is, is that Russia detected what was going on quickly. And unlike the 90s, they now had resources to challenge it and many, many subtle kinds of resources. Um, they picked up on what was going on in Ukraine before it went down. They picked up on what was right. going on in Kazakhstan. I know V has mentioned um, uh, an awareness about a movement of some of the jihadis out of Afghanistan into Kazakhstan. There's also been uh, comments made about um, the Spetsnaz, you know, Russian special forces and others who picked up on what Western intelligence was doing and who they were arming and, and similar. So when it came to these many threads, Russia was not only able to respond, Russia was also able to, if you will, counterattack. And I certainly feel that in the West, a number of governments are now pondering what their next moves are and also assessing how much damage this has caused them. Because uh, my old advice, always consider the games countries national citizens enjoy. You know, Japan, it's kite fighting among others where the losing team kind of ceremoniously dies for losing because in Japan's culture, you, know, you gotta give it your all. Uh, Italy, it's bocce ball, uh, a hey, game that takes all afternoon and no one has any idea what the damn rules are. Uh, <laughs> the United States is poker, which is a game of bluff and deception, because rarely are you holding a good hand. Right. And Russia's game for generations has been chess. And don't ever try to deceive a chess player. Right. The game only ends one way. And so I think there's there's a vast realization in Western countries. And I again, I don't think I've mentioned this before. I don't really think we're dealing with, as I said earlier about intelligence agencies, I don't think we're dealing with Cold War uh, structures and organizations the way we used to, where the State Department is working with U.S. intelligence and, and mapping out some sort of strategy. Yeah. I hate to go there, but I, I continue to get the feeling that a lot of this is private equity. A lot of this are powerful people that are in the shadows that we don't even know who the hell they are. And they're trying to, to execute on um, their goals. And so as a result, in a strange way, a lot of these actions in these countries became very loose and uncoordinated. Yeah, Russia uh, was able to respond. Sure. It's, a, it's, it's also very sloppily. 
Yes, and it also begs the question, you know, uh, chess, Russia's going to respond. So how do they respond? Is it South America? Is it, is it other uh, natural resources that are critical to Western economies? Who knows? Sure. Um, now, just a, a housekeeping item. I will put some of these videos and things I was going to use today on the Discord page. And it's been two weeks running now, and I still haven't gotten to the content. So I've got, uh, I mentioned on last week's show, I've got all this stuff about a number of different movies, uh, depending on the genre and kind of the hidden elements. I'm going to put all that on the Bellis, the hashtag Bellis section in Discord so you guys can, can read it out there. I don't want to keep holding on that. And probably my next show, we're going to start finally getting into this, this uh, pedophile topic. But that's what I had for, for today. Very well said, man. Very well said. See, do you have any questions? Yes, Wells. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> no, no questions at all. I mean, I, I, I think in part, you know, great, great, great intel and everything. And then uh, maybe next week we can delve a little bit into the uh, new investigative arm of the uh, DOJ um, that they just launched in regards to domestic terrorism. Uh, that more than likely was started from you know the events of January six. I think I think that's very telling in terms of uh, that new unit that basically may even bring more type of um, uh, intelligence, you know, international intelligence type services more into domestic use. Uh, so more to tell on that. And then, and then also um, the new IRS rules, which uh, people who maybe perhaps have been, you know, leveraging either Venmo, uh, PayPal, uh, right. some of these other services to bring any other type of, Income, you know, income or payments, um, you know, just, you know, uh, just just be mindful of that now that there are the requirements under the IRS rules to report anything over 600 bucks. So, yep. just, you know, the, the, you know, they're, they're going to start cracking down. They're going to start looking for ways uh, to increase the tax revenue base as this continues to collapse. Uh, the IRS is putting out warnings out there that refunds um, uh, there may yes. be uh, warning letters sent out that, that you owe payment. They're putting out a lot of, of warnings out there and they're using the disguise of underfunding uh, for this reason. So just be mindful of that. Like if you're dependent upon a, a tax refund or you leverage it for vacation or property taxes for the first quarter, first half of the year, whatever, that more than likely it's going to be delayed uh, heading heading into this year. So that, that's all I have. That's Yeah, and that's very solid, CJ. And thank you for bringing that up. Um, yeah, I think sometimes when when the truth is right in front of our face, we're not putting two and two together about what we should do about that. Um, that's exactly it. If you're making any financial plans based on either, well, I was going to say tax refunds. If you owe the government money, you're going to owe the government money. But but if you if you're counting on tax refund money, uh, man, I wouldn't even plan on that until 2023. I mean, yeah. God only knows when they're going to finally. We saw what happened last year. Yeah. And it's not going to be any better this year. No, it's actually probably going to be exponentially worse this year. We, we th thanks to all the stimulus and whatnot, that's really jacked up everything, man. It's unbelievable. So, yeah, to, CJ's, to CJ's point, also, it's that database I mentioned on a prior show that, that yeah. uh, uh, five to six hundred million dollars has already been set aside by the government to build this database to track all vaccines, not just this one, uh, for all U.S. citizens. And again, I'm, I'm dovetailing a bit off Catherine Austin Fitz's work where, you know, depending on who the stakeholder is, the shot has many goals uh, and many functions they're trying to achieve. But in her universe, it's we need a way to double make sure we've got everybody in the system in a much easier way to track your behavior, your spending, CJ's point about 
you know, in the old days, it used to be if you have $10,000 in cash, that was the whole drug narcotics trafficking thing in the 80s. So it was like, okay, well, if you're moving 10 grand or more, we kind of would like to know what the hell, you know, we'll form you. Now it's like if you're spending a couple of hundred bucks, which begs the question, there is no Christian reason. Don't have any crap about crime. You're not doing that because of crime. You're doing that because you're changing the nature of money. And it goes to this possible thing about you want all digital. That's yeah. that's what the hell this this shit's about. So we'll right. see. Exactly. No, that's where we're headed. That's exactly where we're headed, man. And we'll definitely got to we'll delve into this more uh, on the next broadcast. Folks, I want to thank you all for listening in. Again, it's Vita Grill Economist. We have with us the man of the hour who needs no introduction at this point. It's Velas, and CJ's working in the background. He is pedaling away, making sure <laughs> this broadcast is coming out crispy and clean. And with that being said, check us out, roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me at Getter, which is at uh, V the Gorilla, all one word, V the Gorilla, uh, over at Getter. And uh, also check out our um, all the other platforms that we're on besides YouTube. And with that being said, we're over and out.